Man up in my city on the roof, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe The Providence College Friars Top for the crossover The reverse Oh, baby The rush the Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Providence Crier podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. Join with me as he is every week. Corley BOC, uh, follow him at, at BOC all day on Twitter. Uh, today is Wednesday, or excuse me, Thursday, October 28th. Um, and let's just get right to it. Uh, season's approaching, so we thought no better time than to bring on the mayor of the Big East, as I like to call him. I officially dubbed him that nickname. We got an interview with John Fanta. Corley what, what were your thoughts of that? We, we I mean, just finished with him. Like, he is the most genuine, and he's he just is, has a genuine love for basketball, specifically the Big East, and you can just tell with his enthusiasm and excitement. And, you know, I think we've said this on a couple podcasts already, but, like, so appreciative for him to take 45 minutes out of his evening when I know he's got a hectic schedule, especially with the Big East season coming up and college basketball in general. Just a great guy, really down to earth, and you can tell he's – I say this, you know, objectively, I think he's the future of for Big East and, you know, basketball reporting in general. I'm really excited for him and his future and doing things like this and jumping on our podcast goes a long way. And I know we appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, uh, yeah, like I said, Fanta's just a legend. Uh, I think you saying that he's a future star. I mean, a lot of people are saying that on Twitter, so it's not just us. So, uh, yeah, Fanta just – just a love for the, the sport, the conference, his pirates. Uh, oh, we, we didn't talk about the Browns with him. That, that's too bad. We always I didn't think we were going to get into a uh, discussion around our late night activities and attending Brad's after a game. But there we are. Yeah, there is going to be breaking news in this interview that, that I won't spoil. Uh, but, but John will tell you in the interview here coming up. But um, yeah, really awesome. Talk a ton of good stuff. Friars, obviously. The Biggies as a whole. Who he likes out, outside of the conference uh, for, for teams that can make a run. Some sleepers. Um, we, uh, we talked about Biggies Media Day a little bit. And then we finished up with his sh new show, uh, The Field of 68 After Dark, which will be on YouTube. Uh, exciting. I I'm going to be tuning in that show for sure. But, uh, but yeah, let's just get right to it then. Our interview with John Fanta. But first, we get a word from our sponsor, Anchor. Welcome back to the Province Crier Podcast. Joining us is a man you all know, uh, the mayor of the Big East, as I like to refer to him as. But uh, 
um, host of Biggie's Shoot Around uh, for Biggie's Media, as well as you can see him call him play by play games uh, for, for Fox Sports and, um, you know, any sort of Biggie's game you can imagine volleyball, soccer, he, he does it all. Uh, again, needs no introduction, but joining us today, John Fano, welcome back to the show. Let's get this show rolling, gentlemen. It is great to be on your pod. I think it's the one-stop shop for Providence Friars fans to get all their information on Friar Hoops. I listen to the pod and really enjoy it, and I appreciate you guys having me on. I come on for you guys anytime. So, Mike, Brendan, let's go. The season is here, and I'll tell you what, Ed Cooley seems to do his best when he's counted out and kind of treated under the radar, and this Friars team has that type of makeup. Yeah, then let's get right into it, because I, I think the same thing, you know, in our previous episodes, I was talking about how I don't want to put too much expectations on these guys because I feel like I'm always disappointed. But yeah, when Cooley's picked to finish lower, his teams usually exceed those expectations. Um, I saw them play in their exhibition at Stonehill. Obviously, the opponent, you know, you can't really gauge too much, but I definitely thought there's a lot to like. Um, what are your thoughts about the Friar team as a whole going into the year? Yeah, I think that this is a team that the, the key question is, what are they getting on the perimeter on the offensive end of the floor? That's always going to be the question. And if there's an answer to it and people are answering that question, then the Friars are going to have a puncher's chance. I'll get to the other element that I think is interesting with this particular team. But for me, Jared Bynum's health is so, so important and his evolution as a point guard. What, what this coaching staff did a couple years ago with Lawan Pipkins shows me that now in his second year of a system, I know he was hurt last year, but that Bynum should be able to take progressive steps in Providence's system. Al Durham is a player who's going to need to average in double figures just as he has against Big Ten competition. So that's a guy that you can count on. You can count on Al Durham to give you 11, 12 points a game. The biggest thing is, will the real A.J. Reeves stand up? And if the real A.J. Reeves stands up, then the Providence Friars are a top four team in the Big East Conference. If the real A.J. Reeves does not stand up, then the Providence Friars are going to be hanging around the six or seven type of range in this league. Providence is interesting because I think they actually have some depth. I think this team has depth. I really do. You bring in Manaya, uh, Horkler. I was looking at this today. Noah Horkler averaged 11 and 9 over the last nine games of the season last year. Nobody would ever say that or think that nationally. Very quietly, he came on. And Nate Watson's going to be a constant. Nate, play through Nate Watson. I think this team, last year's team, maybe COVID, but everybody dealt with COVID. Maybe just a byproduct of, of being younger at the guard spots or not having a consistent Reeves. Providence's defense was not very good last year. No, it was and we'll tell you that. So for me, I'm looking at two things. Will the real A.J. Reeves get going? And two, hey, can they turn it around defensively and yeah. get back to the type of basketball Ed Cooley's used to them playing and we're used to seeing from Providence? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at, like, from Ken Palm, typical Cooley teams are going to have a top 50 defensive efficiency. And last year's team, I think they might have – came close towards the end of the season, but yeah, for most of the year it was horrible. And then I, I don't think they were, I think they were probably in the 60s, 70s. So 
definitely defense. I can tell you about AJ Reeves. I was at the Stonehill game. He lost 21 pounds or whatever in the off season. And it shows he looks lean. Uh, the one thing that I really liked about him was I think maybe like four of his first five shots were attacking the hoop. Something yep. that he really just didn't do Never the saw, last yeah. two seasons. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think encouraging signs from AJ Reeves, but you're right. He need, he's the X factor for sure. He is the X factor. He, he's got to be able to step up. And to your point, you can drive against Stonehill. Make sure you're driving against UConn. Make sure you're right. driving against Xavier. You got to do it against Big East competition. And don't shy away from the challenge. Like Ed's teams have had a toughness. And they typically have had a mofo who says, we are not losing this basketball game. Who on this team is going to be that type of player? We'll see. I uh, I love that you made that, that reference to Horfler because I had said in our uh, our group chat of Friar fans, towards the latter half of the season, I think he was one of the more complete players, if not the most complete player on the team. You could consistently count on him on the offensive end, the defensive end. He just had those intangibles. So I'm hoping he springboards that into a, a strong, I guess, what is it, his sixth year? <laughs> Um, so, so John, so it seems like your question marks are around ball handling to a certain extent and the progression of that, as well as perimeter scoring, where do you, where do you see a surprise impact player on this roster? Is it a Reeves? Is it a somebody else? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Um, you know, I think, I think it'll be interesting to see like, have will, Will and Alan Breed develop at all? Will a Bryson Goodine develop a little bit? Goodine could be that type of X factor, maybe, maybe. Um, you know, defensively, I think he was a little bit of a liability at times for Ed last year, but I think on the offensive end, like Providence needs guys to just do one thing sometimes. Catch the ball, shoot the ball, make the shot. You're on the floor for that reason. Yep. And if you could hit three in a game, it changes the whole game for us. You know, they, they, those are the types of guys maybe under the surface that could be those types of players. The other thing is, you know, Ed has done an interesting job at times when bringing in a transfer, especially a guy who might be older, um, at, at revealing a side of them that we haven't seen in their game. Mm-hmm. Like Al Durham, let's face it, the coaching staff he was playing for wasn't a good staff. Like, they ended up getting canned. Ended up losing their jobs. And um, I wonder if Al Durham might find a fit at Providence playing for Ed Cooley. We see guys sometimes have that, that just that unleashing of a different side of them, an unlayering that Ed seems to break out of not only players, but their personalities. So I wonder about that a little bit. Uh, But, but I think that what's known is like, what are you going to get at the one? What are you getting from point guard play? If you're, you got to have good point guard play to beat the teams that you're striving to beat. So for me, like the keys are in Bynum's hands. Is he going to stay healthy? And if he stays healthy, what's he going to do to grow as a player? Because guys, I never really felt like last year and the injury didn't help, but like he was supposed to be part of the answer, if not the answer. And I don't know about you guys, but I never felt like we got a real semblance of a rhythm. No, not not even close. I mean, he started off, I think he missed like his first 15 threes that he took or, or something like that. Um, and I mean, I, I think it was tough for him, especially when you're a transfer coming in from like the A-10, making that adjustment, you throw an injury in the middle of that. 
I, I think, yeah, he, he just could never get comfortable, never found his footing. Um, but it's interesting what, what you bring up about, uh, about Durham because, you know, when, when he was on in, in the transfer portal, his father, and then even him uh, alluded to it a little bit, that he could be more of an on-ball player. And at IU, he really wasn't at all. Um, and in the Stonehill game, again, I know it's Stonehill, um, but I was really impressed with his ball handling ability, his presence on the court and knowing where guys are. Um, his experience shows for sure. And I, I think he's going to be a guy that a lot of people in Firetown really enjoy. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think that this team does have some depth. Um, which is good. I think they're going to get back to flex. I know people all have their, <laughs> I think they're going to play old school. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested. So I'm going to watch them practice on Friday, um, Friday afternoon. And I'm really interested to see um, this team. And I, I think that Ed Cooley does really well when his teams are kind of counted out. And this team has been counted out. I mean, yep. they are not considered a contender in the big East. But do they have the pieces? Well, they have a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award watch list member that should be a top 10 center in college basketball. They have a guard who has dropped weight. And when he was a freshman and was, was in full strength and was playing good basketball, he was thought to be a guy that could have pro potential. Pro potential. I was at a Providence workout during A.J. Reeves' freshman season. He's got the foot injury. Yeah. And one of the Providence staff members said, John, this kid could be the pro that nobody's talking about. Is If he returns to that level, we're having a totally different discussion. Yeah. Who's the alpha on this team? Who is the alpha on this team? It's hard for it to be a center because yeah. a center can only do so much. Who is the alpha on this team? To me, they have a lot of good complementary players. Do they have an alpha? If they have an alpha, then this team's going to exceed expectations. All right, well, we'd love to hear that. All right, so Big East as a whole, um, obviously Nova, cream of the crop, but but what a year, you know, I know you visited a bunch of different uh, spots throughout the past couple months. W what are you feeling about the league as a whole? Well, I think that St. John's has the best duo of players in terms of Julian Champagne, who averaged 20 a game last year, and Posh Alexander is just a pest. I mean, mm -hmm. he is a real nightmare to have to play. I genuinely think that for the first time in a long time, like first time in a long time, you might have to go back to D'Angelo Harrison. Okay. <laughs> now, if you're a Providence fan, you've gotten up for the St. John's game, the day of the game, and you have said these words, ah, I think we could win this game or yeah, we probably should win this game or we're going to win this game for the first time in what seems like forever. You are waking up now and you're saying, damn it, Posh Alexander is really good, and I don't know what we're going to do to keep him from making an impact on the game defensively. He's the first Big East defensive player in freshman of the year in the same season since Allen Iverson. The other good two guys. Good company to be in. Yeah, there's only two other players who have won freshman and defensive player of the year in the same season. It's Allen Iverson and Patrick Ewing. <laughs> Pretty Posh good. And don't tell me. Don't tell me, oh, uh, that was a different Big East. Oh, get it out of here. You know, go, I, you know what? You know what? Go, root for, go root for the American if you're going to say that. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to hear it. Posh Alexander, 
and Julian Champagny are really, really good. St. John's is a team that to be reckoned with. UConn is physical. They have grown men. Isaiah Whaley and Tyler Polly coming back. Jalen Gaffney should be helpful to RJ Cole in the backcourt. My key question for them is just how much better is Adama Sonogo? Mm-hmm. Will a cook a cook stay healthy? And will Andre Jackson blossom as a sophomore? Um, I, I think that this is a team that that should be right there yeah, uh, yeah. at the end. It, we'll see what what some of their impact freshmen do um, because I, I'm wondering about that as well. UConn's a factor. Xavier has to prove it. They're the team that on paper looks good. They got to show me. It, it, you ever have the teacher in high school, guys? Show me. Don't tell me. <laughs> show me. Don't tell me. Xavier is show me. Don't tell me. Paul Scruggs is a heart and soul. Kobe Jones is a breakout player. Now it's time for Travis Steele to bring it all together. And I think he's. I think that Xavier has what it takes here to get back on track. I think Butler's a real sleeper, guys. They have six players in their fifth or sixth year of college basketball. Do you guys remember last season how close Butler was oh, yeah. in so many games? They just couldn't finish. You know what happens when you're close and then you bring everybody back? You get over Start the to top. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get over the top. Butler's there. Seton Hall has Roden, Kale. They brought in Kadari Richmond from Syracuse. They've got Bryce Aiken if he stays healthy. They have a seven-footer in Ike Obiagu. Still, they're still a team. The Big East has some, some teams that are kind of right here. Will they end up – like, will the key players develop so that the Big East can be a five- or six-bid league instead of a three- or four-bid league? That's kind of the key. But I think, it's a, I think it's a challenging league here this year, a league that was pretty young last year. Remember, they lost Miles Powell, Marcus Howard, Kamar Baldwin. Yeah. Like, all the losses that you had, hard to make up for those the next season. It was. Yeah, I think Paul he... Star Power definitely, de- definitely left. Uh, yeah, I mean, St. John's uh, – both Brent and I are, are pretty high on them. Uh, Xavier, we both had the same sentiments uh, in terms of they look great on paper, but show me. I mean, last two years, I mean, they didn't make it last year. And then the COVID cut season, they wouldn't have made it. Let, let's face it. They lost uh, a key game down, down the stretch, I believe, to DePaul, if I'm uh, if, if I'm not correct there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, show it to me. You, you got Johnson. You got Fremantle. Uh, Scruggs is back. But, like – until Steele can show, show me that he can bring them to the tournament, I'm not going to take that seriously, to be honest with you. <laughs> no. I, think, I think one of the things, and uh, we might catch some flack from John on this, is we did our own preseason rankings for the Big East, and we both said – we both ranked Seton Hall at seven. And so what, what are we missing there, John? Is that just a travesty on our end? Are we biased? I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think that, that for the Pirates – I think a lot of people don't understand just how good Jared Roden is. I mean, over yeah. the last six games last season, he was averaging around 17 points and seven rebounds a game. So Jared Roden looked the part of a guy who's ready to be a star for Seton Hall. He's built up his body even more. The question is for Seton Hall, do they get consistency at the one? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're a team that, again, like they lacked – point guard play last season because Aiken got hurt. So then you got uh, Shavar Reynolds doing the job. He was a former walk-on like that made it tough on them. Tell you what guys, tell you what an American transfer transfer from American Jameer Harris can really shoot the basketball. Well, he's going to help Seton Hall. Sometimes when you watch pirate basketball, they struggle offensively. Uh, Jameer Harris is going to help them offensively. 
Alexis Yetna is going to help this team, the USF transfer. I think that a lot of people are probably down on Seton Hall because they're suspect of what Seton Hall has coming back and that they lost Sandro Mabukashvili, who's the reigning Big East co-player of the year um, with, with, let's see, it was Robinson Earl um, and Gillespie. Um, so, so the thing is, guys, like, I think Seton Hall is a well-coached group. Kevin Willard's going to figure out the minutes load. They might not start the season as a, as a third or fourth best team. By the time March rolls around, he could have them around there. So I don't think – I'm not going to sit here and say, gosh, you guys are way, way off. I think Seton Hall's the team that has the biggest variance in the conference. They could finish as high as three. They could finish as low as seven or eight. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was kind of like, you know, you might, may not like me for this one, but uh, to me, Mamu last year was obviously their best player. And to me, he kind of seems more of like a sidekick role uh, as a number two guy. Now, when I look at Roden, I see similar things. I mean, obviously with Pell, you had your Batman. And, uh, you know, Mamu played the Robin role and then Mamu had to take over. And now you're kind of doing the same thing with Roden here. But see, with Mamu, is, at least you got the passing with Mamu, right? Like he can make yeah. guys better around him with his, with his uh, good passing out of the post. With Roden, I, I don't know. And then on top of that, I, don't, I just feel like they're not as loaded as they've been in the past. Well, in terms of known commodities. Sure. In terms of known commodities. Remember, they bring in a top 30 recruiting class yep. here, which is pretty good at Seton Hall. That's not easy to do. Um, and Brandon Weston's hurt. He's working his way back from an ACL injury. He's a four-star recruit. They have Tyler Powell. They have Ryan Conway coming in. You know, it's an interesting point, um, Mike, because I get what you're saying about not having, you know, like maybe Roden is a best as a number two. But you know why? They didn't have a number one in terms of a point guard. They didn't yeah. have a one. So when you don't have a one – Sometimes a one can cover things up on a team and the number two guy on a really, really, really good team can be the number one guy because he has some assistance from a point guard. Last year, Mamu Kalashvili had to carry the ball up the floor a couple of times because they didn't have someone that was fitting enough to not turn the ball over at the one. I think Kadari Richmond has a chance to be a really special player. Good on the ball defender. Now he's fired up because Jim Beheim ripped him in an interview. <laughs> He's got that going for him. I like this kid. I like his New York City game. I, I got to tell you, Seton Hall has shown me you cannot put them down at six or seven. Like, remember last year we're all walking into the garden? And we're all – well, we're not all walking into the garden. But, but people were heading into the, thinking figuratively. You're thinking, right, St. John's will beat Seton Hall in the Big East tournament. That's yep. what you're thinking. Willard outcoached Anderson. Seton Hall gutted it out. And then Seton Hall was close against Georgetown. I mean, they almost won, you know, but Georgetown just pulled away. Georgetown was set up on destiny. What would we be saying right now had Seton Hall made it to the Big East title game last year? And I got to tell you, I mean, you know, like they, they lose to Georgetown. Georgetown wasn't losing to Creighton. Creighton was kind of a broken team. Like, isn't it funny how, how things change, how the wave changes and, so I think that the Pirates are still a factor. I don't think they'll finish seventh. I think they're just too well coached. And I see too many impact transfers on this team that I think I trust Willard to, to figure it out. So, but, man, hey, their schedule's hard. 
Their schedule yeah, um, is their out of conference schedule is crazy. Too much. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and wait, I mean, I'm going to the game at Michigan week two. Uh, we're doing our pregame show from there. And my goodness, I mean, I, I think they're, it's going to be a real tall task to have to go to Michigan um, because Michigan has Hunter Dickinson back. They've yeah. got Eli Brooks back. They brought in uh, Devontae Jones, a transfer from Coastal Carolina. They've got Musa Diabate, uh, Caleb Houston, like terrific recruiting class. Jawan Howard's got it going in Michigan. Then they got to play Ohio State on a neutral floor. They might have to play Florida on a neutral floor. They got to host Texas. They got to host Rutgers. They play Yale. They play Iona. Even the even the lesser known games are still tough games. Really hard non-conference schedule. Kind of like kind of why I like the Friars a little bit because I think the Friars non-con actually fits them a little bit more. Yep. Yeah, except Northwestern, man. I mean, they scared the crap out of us. Well, lost to them at Northwestern last time we played them. So I'm nervous about that. And the recent, you know, the, the recent performances in the early season tournaments for the Friars. I mean, even though yeah, gotta, the one that they're in now, they, they seem to be in good position for. I'm still nervous going into that weekend, believe me. <laughs> I, think, um, I think one of the things with this Friar team is it's such an old team. And I think that's a, a general theme throughout all of college basketball with the COVID year. It's just how old a lot of these teams are. And the Friars are no different, I think. Four of the five starters, if not all of them, are going to be seniors or super seniors, with maybe Bynum being the exception. Um, so, so I guess, do you think having like, do you think it's going to be a unique college basketball year, John, where we're going to see more older players make an impact than we probably ever have before? Yeah, uh, I, I do think it's going to be a great year for the sport. I think it could be the best year that the sports had in a long time. Because when you bring back this amount of talent, now a fan knows a player. Yep. You know, like they, yep. they, they have that feeling, oh, I know him. I know him on that team. Here's what he does well. Um, fans love that. You know, they, they're not only fans of a program, but they're fans of guys who stay around. Um, that's kind of what's special about the Big East typically is yeah. it's a conference where you can become attached to a player. Um, you can't say that about being a Duke or Kentucky fan for a one and done. And now the sport's changing. Like Cal brought in Kellen Grady from Davidson and he brought in Oscar Shibway from West Virginia. The sport is evolving, but um, I think that the, the sport is poised for a great year. So I don't think you can say, oh yeah, experience is what led us to the win. Everybody's got experience. Yeah. Are you adapting as a player? Like by now you are who you are. You know, if you're this old and this is what you've done throughout your career, have you gotten better? Uh, have you regressed to the mean? What kind of a player are you? So that, that's a big thing. I, I think that we're in for a great year in the sport. Do I think that experience is going to cause for the sport to be, you know, like differences? Um, tell me who doesn't have experience on their roster this year. Like everybody's got a level of experience. They got to, it's time to ball out now. Yeah. For sure. So, so outside of the Big East then, who are you excited to, to, to watch this season and, you know, uh, maybe have a sleeper that, that could surprise come March? Oh, good question. Um, so who am I excited to watch? I'm excited to watch Andre Curbelo at Illinois. I think that the point guard has such explosiveness. Trent Frazier's a big shot maker. They've got other assets as well out on the perimeter. And Kofi Coburn's a lot of fun. Uh, in a loaded Big Ten conference where Jaden Ivey and Travion Williams are back for Purdue, a Purdue team that was relatively young last year and ended up getting a four seed in the NCAA tournament, this could be a really special year for Matt Painter, and Michigan's excellent as well. I think that the Big Ten is set up for a lot of success. 
Um, you asked me for a sleeper team. You know, there are some candidates. Um, and as I'm thinking about this, because it is a great question, I picked a couple. Um, number one is Texas Tech. I think mm -hmm. that just because Chris Beard left, a lot of people then end up saying, oh, they won't be as good. That team still brings back a good core of their players. And when you have been coached in the Beard system, it's not like it's going to change that much with Adams taking over. The Red Raiders are kind of a sleeper to me in the Big 12 Conference this season. So keep an eye out for them. Um, I fully expect USC to be a team that's, that's good. Even though they lost Evan Mobley, I think Isaiah can play. I think that their backcourt will be good enough to have them in contention. The USC Trojans are a team to keep, out, uh, keep an eye out for. I think the SEC has a chance to be an excellent conference this year. No longer is it Kentucky and everybody else. Arkansas with Musselman. Alabama with Oates. Tennessee should be back uh, with Kennedy Chandler um, entering that program. The SEC is really, really good. And then, you know, what happens in the Jalen Duran, Imani Bates situation with Memphis? Like, they've got Landers Nolly, a double-digit scorer. Um, Quinones is another player who should, should be solid. But Memphis offensively has been a bit of a train wreck. They bring in 81-year-old Larry Brown. They have Rasheed Wallace on the staff. I'm just here for the pop. I'm here. Give me some popcorn so I can see what the heck is going on with Memphis this season with this star power, these big names on their staff, and Penny Hardaway. Can he put it all together? I'll be interested to see. So to name a few there, though, that's some of what I'm looking at. Tell you what, I'm also looking at Rick Pitino and Iona. He's got some real talent there. Iona could win an NCAA tournament game this season. Mark my words. Wow. Uh, yeah, like Illinois, uh, they're kind of dead to me. I picked them to win it all last year, and we all saw how that went down. Uh, I did too. It was wrong. Um, but obviously, they returned a lot of good talent. This Purdue team that Providence actually plays uh, in a secret scrimmage, I believe that's this weekend. Yep. Um, I, I, I think I'm going to be a big fan of theirs with Trevion Williams, Jordan Ivey, and then you got Zach Eady too. Uh, always a loaded front court. They always seem to have a seven foot seven guy somehow. Uh, so I'm excited about them. Interesting. You bring up Texas tech because PC will actually be playing them. I totally agree that not many people are, are talking about them, uh, but they did, they did destroy Wichita state in their secret scrimmage, I guess. So, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see Texas tech uh, make their visit to the dunk this year. Um, oh, so December 1st. December 1st, and I'll give you the early reveal for the first time, first time that this is happening. Big E Shootaround will be live from the Dunkin' Donuts Center. We are live in living color. I think the uh, I think we'll be in front of the student section, in front of the band on that Wednesday. There we go. Night. The band's improved. Uh, maybe it was being away from college basketball for, for so long, but I was at the game. I was like, well, our band's pretty good. But that's awesome. We'll be live though. Live pregame show. That's ahead awesome. of that, that'll be the first game of the Big East Big 12 battle this season. That's a big night for the Big East. You gotta you gotta win these non-conference challenges. That's a big night for the Friars getting Texas Tech inside their building. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so I I kind of want to start with this, but but we kind of just jumped right into the Friars, which is fine by me, of course. But uh Biggest media day. How'd it go? Having everyone back. Uh, seemed like you were enjoying yourself as always. 
Oh my gosh. What a what a refreshing day inside Madison Square Garden to not be on Zoom, even though I'm fine joining you guys on Zoom. <laughs> Just to be with people, to be inside the Mecca. It felt real. It felt like a normal season is upon us coaches and players that it was just a joy to see them you know you were afraid to even humanly interact with anybody last year I didn't want to be the reason that a team got COVID so like you just kind of wave um Mm -hmm. god it was so fun to see everybody I cannot wait for this guys I think it's going to be fun I I think college basketball is in for a real bounce back response type of year with fans and with atmospheres returning and with energy around it um, I know that Coach K is kind of, if you're not in Durham, he's everybody's villain. Let's face it, Coach K having a farewell tour is good for the sport. It's going to keep the sport buzzing throughout the season. Um, and I think we're in a new era of the sport. I really do. I, I think that the sport has changed in that um, the way that you win is different than it was 10 years ago. You know, like 10 years ago, every column was, you have to have a five-star recruit to win a title. No, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. You, you might have to have a pro, but if you know how to develop talent and you know how to capitalize on the transfer portal, this sport can change. Like no longer can you sit here and say, if you're a good program, yeah, we're going to have a big time rebuilding year and then we'll be good again. No, not like if you're a good program, you should be, tra- you should be good enough to be a, a factor more times than not. Um, I think the sport's in a fascinating stage, like not just as someone who covers it, but as someone who watches it, like Baylor to me and Gonzaga, are they Duke and Carolina names? No, but man, if you watch them play, they, they play the sport so well. Villanova so consistent. Texas is going to be really fun to watch. The big oh, 12 yeah. should be loaded. I I'm liking the way the sport has adapted. Um, and I think you got to get old to win. You got to get old to win. So it's like, you know how we go through cycles in life? Throughout a time, it was get the one and done. That's the best formula. That's the only formula. Every fan base is on the message boards. We don't know how to recruit. We suck at recruiting. We can't bring in the five-star to develop talent, get old, stay old. It's okay to be a throwback player because in college basketball, that's what wins championships. Now you can make money off being a throwback player, so... there's guys there's guys who are going to make more money in college than they ever will professionally well even you even think about you even think about like hunter dickinson's going to be a pro but he partially came back because he probably can make a fair amount of money with nil same with johnny juzang all those guys were fringe first second rounders yep yep no no doubt hunter dickinson at michigan uh, now he's the king of the hill he's the king of the hill what happens if he goes to G League? You're not brand. You're not. You're not marketable in the same way if you're the king of the hill at Michigan, and if you're in the Final Four and you're in a, a progressive commercial. Um, so, like to me, I think that there's a real opportunity here for guys to be able to capitalize. Like, look at what Chris Jenkins could have done with that shot in that moment. He would have been on every commercial in the Philadelphia area and beyond after that shot. This is a good thing. Name, image, and likeness is great. These players are playing for their families. They're trying to fulfill a dream of playing college basketball. And you know what? People are like, oh, you know, um, uh, does this help cheating or does this help? The kids deserve the money. 
If they're mm -hmm. playing for these schools and the schools are the only ones benefiting, come on, people. If they can benefit off their name, image, and likeness, why wouldn't we allow that? Totally. Amen. <laughs> um, and look, hard. It's hard. I mean, I just, uh, you know, like talking with Patrick Ewing just now, moments ago, he said it's hard to find enough hours in the day if you're a kid to, yeah. to go. You guys went to college. Yeah, you partied. But man, if you're, if you're, if you're going to be a student and someone who's got to be in the gym at 6 a.m. practicing, busting your ass, going on road trips with your team to try to win games, you only got so many minutes in the day to make all this happen. Yeah, I mean, when I worked for the team, that was like my biggest observation. I only helped out a little bit, so I didn't have to like fully be there all the time. And just like the time commitment's insane. So yeah. like, so like when I hear like a kid struggling with his schoolwork, it's like, oh, duh! It's like he has a full time job playing hoops, <laughs> and then he's going to school at the same time. Yeah, so. yeah, one hundred percent. All right, so I guess we'll wrap up here with. Uh, your, your new show with, with Rob Doster and a bunch of other guests, um, uh, The Field of 68 After Dark. Um, is it going to be on YouTube or is it just, does he just post it to Twitter? Or? Yeah, it'll be live on YouTube and Twitter every night uh, during the season. It'll be a rotating cast of characters. Uh, I'll probably be on once or twice, if not three times a week, whenever my schedule allows. Uh, we debut. Tuesday, November 9th, we have a marathon of pregame coverage ahead of the Champions Classic. Nice. Uh, ahead of the Champions Classic, we have a marathon. Several hours. I'm on from 4 to 5 with Terrence Oglesby. I'll take your questions, your comments, your thoughts. And then uh, we'll be on site at the Champions Classic, just kind of covering that. And then after game two, Duke and Kentucky is the 9.30 game. I don't care if we're on at 12.30, midnight, whatever it is. Uh, I will host the first episode, Field of 68, After Dark. We will have a ton of college basketball personalities. We'll get coaches and players when we can throughout the season, live on Twitter, live on YouTube. It'll typically be every night, 11 Eastern time to midnight, an hour-long show with your thoughts, your comments, your questions. We might even have you come on live if you're a fan just to contribute. This is college basketball's nightly show. Uh, on social media, when fans are often offering their takes, we want to give you a place for that. And the way that Rob Doster, who's done a great job, he got laid off from NBC. He's done an amazing job of building this up. Guys, there's a space for this. Fans yeah. want to see more college basketball content. There's not enough of it. We're going to try to bring that to you nightly on the Field of 68 After Dark, Tuesday, November 9th. Our premiere episode will be on before, will be on after. And I cannot wait to be at the Garden for the champions classic on opening night of the season. There you go. That, that's awesome. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think there's, so you look at, I mean, you look at college football, for example, they have that college football live show running essentially all season, all year long. So like, uh, I definitely think there are hoop fans that want more content. I know I'll be tuning in for sure. I'm a bit of a night owl, so the, the 11 p.m. start time Eastern uh, Standard doesn't bug me. Corley likes to go to bed a little early, but that's okay. He, he I'll catch, catch it in the morning. That's all right. I'll catch it in the morning. All right. He'll catch it in the morning. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, there definitely needs to be more college basketball content because it's a great sport, and, you know, the people that follow it are definitely passionate about it. So. Yeah, and I can't wait to see the Friar Faithful this season. 
Um, I know I'm doing play-by-play November 18th when the Friars welcome in New Hampshire, um, 6.30 FS2. Uh, then November 27th, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, save your leftovers. We're on at noon for Providence and St. Peter's uh, from the Dunkin' Donuts Center. That'll be at noon on Saturday, November 27th. So a couple of early season visits to F-Town. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful uh, and looking forward to calling the action. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got my season, so maybe I'll, I'll catch you by the dunk uh, at some point this season. Let's hit stay Murphy. Away stay away from Mike during games. He's a little bit chaotic. <laughs> Sometimes I get a little into it. That, that's okay. Yeah. We, we won't. We'll just brush Let's out. Head to Murphy's. Let's head to Murphy's after. Murphy's or Trinity. Yeah. Either or. Fine by me. Or but, Brad. Uh, where's what? Brad's. Oh, Brad's. Brad's oh, yeah. Why not? Just make a night of it. <laughs> yeah. That could turn into an early morning or a late, late night, however you Absolutely. think about it. Absolutely. All nighter, baby. I'm all for it. all right well john uh again we we thank you for taking time to come on with us and uh we're actually calling it a wrap on our episode too so um until next week friartown uh have a good one john thanks again best podcast podcast for providence friars basketball fans thanks guys appreciate that john John. you're the best we'll talk to you Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way up on the hoop, Cross over, I might throw the alley-oop Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school PC, you know we on go, ayy Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Ho, ayy I'm the alpha dog, Diallo They were sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage so we gon' let them have it, yeah. They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, eh Cross over, I might throw the alley-oop But they sleeping on me while I take them back to school Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah